that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. 
people across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Secrets of Saturn livestream. What do you think of that voiceover, by the way? Should I get him to do some work for me? He definitely did a good job on Randy from Houston, I think. But I jest. Anyway, this week, we are going to be discussing a pretty heavy document that absolutely does seem to be real, and it's called Future Strategic Issues, Future Warfare, Circa 2025 by NASA. And it's been written by, and I assume presented by, a gentleman named Dennis M. Bushnell, who at the time was the chief scientist for NASA Langley Research Center. Let me quickly give you his background so that we know who it is that is presenting this information. Dennis M. Bushnell is a NASA scientist and lecturer. As chief scientist at NASA Langley Research Center, he is responsible for technical oversight and advanced program formulation. His work is focused mainly on new approaches to environmental issues, in particular to climate issues. Well... We should keep that one in mind, right, Greta? So anyway, sounds like the great Baldini has joined us. Crow is also joining us tonight. He should be on in a minute. Let me take a quick look at the chat room. I think we've already got quite a few folks here. Welcome, everybody. I see lots of hellos. Hello, hello, hello. All right. Greetings, everybody. Looking good, looking good. All right. We've got folks on DLive already. Cool beans. All right. So how's everyone doing tonight? Wayne Baldini, I'm anyone well, want to jump in? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing tonight, Jason? I'm doing great. I'm outstanding. Uh, Thank you. Today. Got a little bit of sun. Uh, yeah, I was outstanding in my field today. So uh, out mowing the lawn, like I said. So I got a little bit of sun. So my pasty white self is now sunburned. And yeah. That's fine because, you know. So you're a redneck. We, you, you truly are a redneck. <laughs> Indeed, I am. No, oh, I truly am. So yeah, beautiful weather here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, those of us who are uh, known and challenged, uh, <coughs> as am I, um, but we're hideously white. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm pretty pasty myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, it's it going to be the Irish or Scotsman in me. I don't know. You know. Oh, the look of the Irish, then don't you know? You can't oh, top of the morning to you, laddie. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> be, be having some of my Irish coffee then, don't you know? Um, <clears throat> no, it's always a pleasure to be with you guys, um, except, you know, we've got these heavy topics, so I'll try to keep it <clears throat> light, lighthearted. This is a pretty heavy it. topic, man. Yeah. But like, uh, I don't want to make fun of it, but it is, it's pretty hairy, man. When yeah. You said heavy. No, no, it is. It, it really is. Um, we're going to give Crow a couple minutes before um, he's going to be here, but uh, we could definitely start start in on this does anybody have anything they want to throw out about this before we start getting into the uh what what this is by the way this isn't a like a document like a white paper kind of thing which is sometimes what we tear apart this was a presentation apparently given in uh i believe you said july of 2001 by the, uh dennis bushnell is that correct wayne yeah that's correct this was a presentation given for the department of defense by dennis bushnell in 2001 at the uh, nasa langley research center and uh, basically, what this document talks about is future uh, technological capacities that they knew 
beyond certainty would be coming if they, they did not already have them at the time. And that's what people have to keep in mind when we're going through this. Think back 2001. This is this is a 20-year-old document, okay? This was a 20-year-old presentation, right? Right. And uh, they're talking about technologies that are just on the cutting edge right now. They had this back then, and they knew about it back then. And they were planning for this very stuff that's going on right now back then. And we'll go through this document and tear it apart. There's a lot of really telling things, uh, especially some some of the things that we'll see rolling out within the next five years, okay? Because they, they did this initially uh, with the future strategic issues being occurring around the year 2025. So we can see where we're right on the timeline with how they planned these things to come forward. And we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting things in this document. And it's not all uh, necessarily just about weapons and weapon systems and things like that. You'll see how there's a lot of psychological warfare and stuff like that that's that's uh, taken on in this document and stuff, too. So we'll tear through it. And I'm sure we'll have a good time doing so because, you know, we got to try and make a little light of some of this stuff. Mm. Yeah, so the, just uh, <clears throat> I would just add a couple of things to note here. Uh, you know, just to keep in, in mind these ancillary points is, uh, again, with Bushnell being at the Langley Research Center, just to remind everyone what <clears throat> Langley is probably best known for, uh, some of the alphabet agencies are based there. Uh, some of your friends and neighbors from the Five Eyes um, call Langley their home. Uh, so it's not surprising that you would see this document uh, come from there, uh, as well as his association with climate <clears throat> and, of course, climate change and the big cry there being one of their primary means and methods of psychological you know, trauma control uh, in the coming stages. Thank you, Greta. Uh, so just again, keep in, keep in mind some of these things uh, as we connect the dots. You can look for these patterns to develop. So um, there you go. Wait a minute. You mean Greta knows all about climate, too? I thought she was a coronavirus expert now. Hmm. Yeah. The, only thing, <laughs> the only thing Greta is uh, an expert at is, you know, acting, really, uh, taking her cues. She's not but, even good at that. No, she's not. <laughs> um, uh, but she, you know, she takes the shill money and she gets up and says, how dare you? How, <laughs> da- how double dog dare you? <laughs> Uh, it's uh, I, I honestly I always feel badly um, every time I have to see her picture because I I feel badly that, that I have these urges that I want to throat punch a kid and, I, and then I'm just like I'm like I'm not that kind of person I don't, I'm I'm not like that but I get this visceral urge to want to just knock, knock her out cold <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not a violent person but uh, the, the rage that builds up in me over what happens when I see Again, otherwise decent people and, and even bright in some cases, but they, they play on their best instincts uh, to want to guard and protect and help others uh, and turn them into to zombies fighting on their side. And it's just it's appalling. You know, I'm going to say something ungodly politically incorrect here, but there's a thing about <sighs> Greta that really, really kind of throws me off and I can't believe more people don't see it. Is no one else bothered by the fact that the establishment is using a little retarded girl for their purposes? I mean, come on, just look at her. That's a person who rides the short bus. 
Well, I'm going to, okay, so I'll, you know, I get what you're saying. Although, you know, again, you know, when you say, are you talking retarded? My best friend. Well, my wife is on the autism spectrum, but again, she's not a retard. Um, So they're saying she's autistic, but here's what I'm going to say in um, contrast to that. Again, I think she's playing a part uh, because knowing uh, the autism as I do, I I live with it, um, what she is purported to be doing which is standing up in front of a bunch of people uh and uh, going on it requires a certain level of adaptation and being quick on your feet and uh, uh being in front of a bunch of people that's not something almost any autistic person would do that would be their worst nightmare you could never make them do it uh, you could never make them answer questions uh on any topic uh, even things that they were fully passionate about, even if it was like the thing that they were an idiot savant about, it's just not going to happen. Um, I mean, people are different and some people present differently, but to do the things that she's supposed to be doing uh, and be smiling and happy about it and her little you know, boat trip over, <laughs> it's nonsense. It is nonsense. They are lying to you. But the reason I think that they put autism there, it's just like Jason said, okay, they're putting the retarded kid up there. But you know what? They're doing it because how dare you if you speak bad of her right exactly um, it's a weapon and this is pedoph- yep. right it's pedophrasty right which is the the but the children so you put a children up and then if you say anything about uh, attack any of the information how dare you you talk about a little girl who's got exactly this is what i'm trying that. to point yep. out Exactly. So they, they they deflect you. They deflect from the information. You can't challenge the information because of who they put up there, right? So now now you're a evil bad person. How horror! How dare you, right? If you say no, she's lying. <gasps> how dare you? The poor autistic girl just cares so much about the world. Mm-hmm. And the pearl clutching comes out, and it's they they are playing you. They are. Yep. Mess, mess they're gaslighting the fuck out of you man yep. so sorry, sorry i promised that i'd be good tonight <laughs> but you no you're just making my point stuff. though like i didn't even I'm have sorry. to say it. you you see exactly what i see that the girl sure. is being used whatever her exact condition is i really don't give a flip it's the fact that they are using her for whatever well, she yeah, is that's, that's a very there you it's go. It's a very Nazi thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> not, you know, and that, that is the counts. first thing that came to my mind, little pigtail girl. But, you know, yep, I'm going exactly. to add this. I want to add this, though, is that they're not just using her, right? They're using your neighbors, right? And the people that, again, they they feel like they're doing good. They feel like they're trying to help. And so when they come up to you and yell at you for not wearing a mask, how dare you? You're, you want people to die. Right? They're playing on their better instincts um, and, and then turning them into assholes, frankly, uh, because they think you're the asshole. And so they're they're turning everyone into a weapon at this point. Um, the, this is kind of what I've been pointing out is their, their polarization. And they use these uh, bogus modus tollens arguments, right, which would be, you know, modus tollens is a logical consistency. If A, then B, not B, therefore not A. And so you see these memes come out, right, it says, I make these masks because I care. Therefore, if you don't make a mask or don't wear one, you don't care. And that's horse shit. Pardon my French. Um, but that, that, that well, you're speaking a lot of French tonight, Bob. Oh, we, <laughs> a lot of French. It's very nice, yes, but we already got one. I have a French um, press. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can French kiss. <laughs> French culture. Uh, I heard. 
heard Wayne's into Greek, but we won't talk about that. Mercy. Um, yeah, mercy. So we've gotten off NASA, never a straight answer, and talked about Greta. But but again, climate change is the is their you know their big buzzword, and this is where again this is where you'll see again people that uh, care. They actually take their their sense of caring and they want to help, but they then tell you that you're the problem, you and your gas guzzling car. Now, did they give any of us a choice? Did they say, oh, you have one of ten options? Here's Ten different options, and we're and then everybody like we're the ones who went out and, and and trashed the environment. We're the ones that dug holes in the earth to take up oil, which is again not a fossil fuel; it's abiotic, so it's not dinosaur juice. Mm. Um, so, but again, they tell us that we're doing all these horrible things. Is it us? No, it's them. So they're doing it, and then they blame us for for it, and then say, "You horrible humans! How dare you breathe air? Because carbon dioxide." Oh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes. Yeah, you're smelling what I'm stepping in there. So this is this is kind of where I'm going. Is that they're not just using weaponizing her; they're weaponizing everyone. And when they make them believe cocky pop, then uh, they they're acting on the the better angels of their nature, right? Uh, to uh, but it turns them into assholes. And um, again, one one of the many things that I've done. Part of it was um, uh, teaching. Well, doing uh, counseling basically for uh, anger management and substance abuse, and so with anger, man- anger is a you know weird thing, and uh, even the Bible says be angry but sin not, right? So in other words, not a sin to be angry, just don't sin when you're doing it. Um, but it's a kind of misunderstood. It is a mo- an emotion, uh, and there's been a lot of um, a lot of attempts at definition. I think the best one that I've seen is uh, it's a powerful motivation. Uh, it's a powerful emotional response and motivation to correct an injustice. And that injustice may be real or maybe uh, simply, um, you know, manufactured or you feel slighted in some way. But yeah, if you see somebody go take the, the money from the kid, right, you, you want to beat them up because you get angry, right? That's an injustice and you want to correct that. Well, now this is what they see. They see an injustice being done or they're told an injustice is done. We're killing the earth. We're killing the dolphins because of uh, these fishing practices. Okay, well, do you see me out there fishing? I'm not doing it, uh, but they're going to blame you for it. Now they're going to tax you for breathing, right? So your carbon footprint. Did you? Did they give you any other options? Did they uh, provide you any choice? Did you have? Did you do it? No, they did it, but now they're blaming you for it. So classic projection as well. They're bringing out every tool in the bag uh, to, to gaslight you and uh, to make you believe you're a horrible person simply for existing. Well, you know, we can we can go on a little tirade about how the Rockefellers instituted the whole let's tear up everything electric, let's get rid of all the streetcars, like anything that could be done to uh, steer people away from better technologies. And I'm talking about the turn of the century, turn of the 20th yeah, century. We could let Crow do that. Yeah, well, I don't know if he's with us yet. I didn't hear him click on, but uh, yeah, I'm here. yeah, they I did that. Him. Why? Because they, by that point, were having ma- a massive petroleum empire already a monopoly truly and that's what they want everybody using yeah they start they they make money from start to finish so uh they get you with allopathic medicine they they own the uh, the oil that makes the medicine because it's all petrochemical then they own the doctors then they own the funeral homes i mean they 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 got you from cradle to grave how you doing tonight crow i'm good man just got a new dog so i'm kind of running ragged getting him trained up so he doesn't use the house as his toilet (laughs) i was like as I keep saying, man, the the more I get to know and better understand people, the the more I like dogs. <laughs> That's probably a pretty true statement for uh, a lot of people. 
All right, so if we're ready, uh, Wayne, do you want to give a little background on this presentation and then I'll start going through the pages? Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, uh, this is a presentation that was given uh, by Dennis Bushnell back in July of 2001 for the Department of Defense and various other uh, agencies that sat in on this, this meeting. And this is talking about uh, technologies that would be coming in the future, but it, it's talking about technologies that also existed at the time of this presentation that they foresaw in the future being used uh, for strategic purposes in relation to warfare and intelligence warfare, which is also mentioned in this document. So like I said, I mean, it's not talking strictly about weapon systems and things like that, like you might think, just based upon the title of the document. It's talking about all kinds of different aspects of technologies and stuff. And it says right here at the beginning of the report, uh, page four, the presentation is based in all cases upon existing data, trends, analyses, technologies, no pixie dust, robots, cyborgs, and humans. No pixie dust. That no means pixie dust. this is not make-believe. Right. Not make-believe fictional stuff. These are technologies that actually exist, and they actually existed back in 2001 when they did this presentation. Yeah, I So that's to, what people need to keep in mind when we go yeah, forward here. That was the other thing I want to jump in with. What, the other one note, and I'll jump back out, is that, uh, again, as I've said over and over, if they present a technology to you uh, as being leading edge, they've already had it instantiated fully for probably 30 years or better. So anything that they're leading in and saying, well, we just now have this or we might have this by then, it's already well in the back. Did, did I miss, Wayne, did you bring the uh, the publication date of the doc? It was July of 2001. Well, that's not quite as, but Jason and I were wondering if it was early 90s. You know, they're talking about data in a way that shouldn't have been known back then and already talking about petaflops and things like that. But maybe by 2001, it's not a stretch at all, is it? No. Well, by 2001, we definitely had computers that somewhat resembled what we got today. I think I had my first decent computer in the late 90s, I believe. Well, you've got to realize, too, uh, the Sun Microsystems guy told us the truth in 99, telling us there was no more privacy. No one understood him or believed him, but he was telling the truth. Um, and then by 2001, I've actually got hacker friends who showed me my permanent record. There's nothing before 2001, and there's everything after 2001. Um well, except social media, because I don't use it. But other than that, everything we've done, and I'm guessing everybody listening, has a very detailed record from at least 2001. And it could go earlier if you were heavy into LinkedIn or Facebook or these types of things, because they retro-mind all that stuff. Right. Um, any opening statements on this document, Crow, or shall we begin? Uh, go for it. All right, so... I put this link, by the way, in the chat several times on DLive and on YouTube. If you guys need it, uh, just let me know. If somebody wants to keep an eye on the chat while I'm going through this, I will be glad to, to drop that link again. So, future strategic issues, future warfare circa 2025. Now, I think it's safe to say that everybody knows, or at least I hope they do, that we are in the year 2020. So the things they're proposing should really be taking shape at this point. So the technologies they're talking about, we probably see some pre-echoes of right now in our day-to-day -day lives. So to begin, capabilities of the enemy after next, ongoing worldwide technological revolutions, 
economic trends and potential nature of farther term warfare. All right. And you, you got to keep in mind, this was presented in July of 2001. So this is before the events of 9-11. So they're That's already talking about thing. the enemy. Right. That they're also talk. They're already talking about the enemy after next. Well, the next enemy would be, you know, the the two thousand and one uh, attacks. The, the you know the the enemy that they blamed for that. So they're talking about the next enemy beyond that. So you got to wonder who is that enemy after next that they're talking about. And we'll get the, uh, further along uh, as we go down the document more. We'll we'll kind of see where this is going and what what it is they're talking about because they're not talking about middle eastern terrorists folks that's, <laughs> no. that's not the enemy that's, after next that's silly that never really was the enemy to begin with to be honest to be totally honest about it it, it was just their scapegoat at that point their Wait, excuse for, for pulling this stuff you expected I'm, nasa to be honest <laughs> no Never a, straight well, never a straight answer. Right. Yeah, here we thought they were making fake images of planets. I guess they were up to more than that. A little more. NASA been uh, busy. <laughs> yeah, putting pictures of Pluto on Pluto. Nice. Not another <laughs> stupid animation. That's another NASA. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. To be, to, yeah, to be fair, Walt Disney might have done that whole Pluto thing. Exactly. <laughs> Dalt Wisney. The Dalt Wisney Corporation. Dalt Wisney. <laughs> All right, so the bots, Borgs, and humans welcome you to 2025 AD. Yeah, that's pretty interesting that they put that in there, isn't it? Bots, Borgs, and humans welcome you to 2025 AD. So you can see how this already has very uh, transhuman themes to it. You're right, and I'm sure this is laced with transhuman concepts. So... This presentation, based on Futures' work for or with USAFNWV, so that's the Air Force, USAF 2025, I don't even know what that is, the National Research Council, Army After Next, which I'm assuming is a Futures project of some sort, ACOM Joint Futures, SSG of the CNO, Austra excuse me, Australian DOD, N-R-O-D-S-B, DARPA, S-B-C-C-O-M, D-I-A-A-F-R. You know what? This is just getting silly. Lots and lots of alphabet agencies. Uh, the CIA, of course, is mentioned a little way down, down the line here, too. So anyway, as you can see, uh, th th this and is the, the boring FBI. part. We know what's going yeah, on. And the O-N-I. <laughs> and all of this. It, basically, anything major in military and or intelligence is mentioned in here. Well, this is the military-industrial complex having a great big get-together. Let's sip coffee, eat cakes, and talk about how we're going to mess up the world in 20 years. Sure, and that's yeah. a, a classic oxymoron of military intelligence. Hmm. <laughs> all right, so this presentation is meant to incite thought and discussion, is based in all cases upon existing data, trends, analyses, technologies, and as Wayne stated earlier, no pixie dust, meaning, of course, this is all real stuff or proposed real things, not freaking st starships with warp drive and crazy stuff like that. And it provides, in some cases, a somewhat broader view of prospective de developments and issues. All right. If anybody wants to 
comment on anything. I'll pause in between each page here because this is not, again, not a document per se. This was a presentation, so it's done like a PowerPoint thing with different uh, points on each page. So, all right. Utilization application of 2025 plus projections. Inputs to future warfighting concepts developments, the enemy after next and blue. Might have to tear that one apart, Wayne. I'm not even sure what that means. Inputs to new right. procurement decision, 15 plus years to produce, 40 plus years in inventory. Heads up for Intel community, watches and warnings, and inputs to the DOD, which is the Department of Defense, of course, R&D planning. All right, whoever wants to take that, I will be quiet for a moment. DOD R&D planning. That's what this is all about. This is laying the foundation uh, for the funding of these technologies. And it's talking about new procurement decisions, 15 plus years to produce, 40 plus years in inventory. They're talking about the beginning phases of building some of these technologies back then in 2001, which we're seeing rolled out now. Uh, what it's talking about with the inputs to future warfighting concepts, when it's talking about enemy after next and blue, what they mean by blue is unknown or as in like out of the blue, uh, something like that, mysterious, unknown. And a lot of times I've also noticed uh, when you're looking at military uh, defense contractors and stuff like that, when they mention the term blue, it often refers to what they would consider extraterrestrial technology. So uh, when you see blue project, blue book, uh, blue beam, all these things that are rumored to be derived from alien technologies. So these they're talking about uh, non-standard technologies. They're talking about these secret uh, special access programs technologies. That's what they're talking about with blue. So they're talking about the potential of other uh, uh, enemies having these type of technologies and how they're going to deal with that. So th that's what they're talking about. These are, are basically black budget technologies that aren't rolled out in the public sector. So that's what it's talking about when it says blue, just to kind of clarify that for people. All right. Going in assumptions. Politics can and do change overnight, overnight being in quotations. For instance, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, etc. Potential capabilities is the future warfare issue, not who, but what. So again, they're focusing heavily on the concept of not politics so much, but on technology and what technology is available to the various factions on the earth. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's, again, should be a pretty telling issue here because they don't really care who as long as they have a scapegoat. They just need an enemy. They can manufacture one if they want. Right, and the important thing is the what, not the who. Because if you think about it, in traditional warfare, the important thing would be the who, wouldn't it, rather than the what. Who's exactly. attacking us? How do we stop these people from attacking us? What are their How goals? How do we come to... Right. right. What are their goals? How do we come to peace? They're not concerned with that. They're concerned about the what, the what being the technology. Exactly. And this gives them the pretext to create the technology and then, again, manufacture uh, their enemy. It doesn't matter right. whom. It's what. And again, these things should be very, very telling. If you look at it with a critical eye, uh, you should be able to, again, quickly tease apart what their motivations are. Because, you know, again, if you go all the way back to Sun Tzu, right, know thy enemy. Uh, the best way to win a war is never to fire a shot. Um, th their point here is uh, they, they want the technology and the weaponry. And I think you can infer pretty quickly who the actual enemy really is. 
Now, Crow, you were present for the first big conflict that was really heavily publicized, where there was a massive difference in technological prowess on either side. And that was something that was flaunted heavily. I remember they were talking about that a lot. That was my junior and senior year in high school, and it was kind of a big bragging thing they were doing at the time. But you saw the difference between technology, what the technology can and can't do, right? Well, the the first Gulf War was kind of a switch flip. Um, everything changed. That's when the first time you saw that ridiculous footage played over and over of a supposed smart bomb, as if that could be a thing, uh, hitting a building targeted with a camera on the nose and uh, the V put on the door of all the allied vehicles, hint, hint, hint. Um, all these things came to be there, but you see, there, there really wasn't a war, so to speak. The other side... It wasn't like there was a, an opposing army at all. There were a bunch of people out there scared crapless in the desert and other things were going on. Um, it was clearly one of the best examples of the theater of war. And uh, for the most part, if I remember correctly, uh, the most casualties on the American forces came from their own people. I remember uh, that. From accident. about, yeah. yeah. A- accidents and supposed, you know, that's why they said they needed that V that upside down V on the door so they didn't accidentally shoot their own side, which is a bit ironic because I had friends in PLARS units that track every vehicle on the battlefield, even at that time. So what they were doing is they were gearing up to become a more modern pain in everyone's butt, basically. What kind of computer technology would you have seen? Um, you know, it wasn't all that impressive, but like with a PLARS unit, uh, they would have these old, you remember how all the old computers were black and green, all the writing and symbols were green, oh, yeah, green on the screens. screen. Sure. Mm-hmm. So there was a triangle for every certain kind of vehicle and a circle, you know, a circle and even a lot of the troops uh, with a dot were tracked. And so these PLARS units could track everything, every everywhere for I don't know what the distance was and actually I think the distance was increased when they used aircraft um, to do the scanning for the markers to knock them but you know that what are we talking here 90 91 something like that right Um, and they were already tracking everything on the battlefield well there you go and I mean I'm sure it wasn't like pretty graphics or anything like they've I'm sure they've got today but it tells you that the capability was already there to, to really monitor what was going on in every aspect not to mention the fact that I mean, what did the other side have? They were just infantry with guns for the most part, right? Well, what they had was some shovels, and they were ordered to go march around the desert until they could surrender. Um, And (laughs) they surrendered surrendered by the thousands. It became a problem. The Marines had to quit eating their, their MREs just so they could feed the number of people that were surrendering. But I was in the Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps is not high tech. They get all the hand-me-downs mostly, the combat units particularly. They get the hand-me-downs from the the Navy because they're a department of the Navy. But you can bet if the Marines are tracking everything on the battlefield, the Air Force and the Navy had impressive arrays by comparison. And I'm assuming the Air Force has all the best toys, right? Well, that was a big testing ground too because they wanted to go out and shoot all their new missiles and <laughs> shoot all their tracking things. You know, that was a big part of it. Right. Um but it, it wasn't a war. Wasn't Far that from. also the, the first rollout of the uh, stealth bomber, if I can it, remember correctly? Yeah, I think you may be right because... It was, yeah. Yeah, we didn't, 
we saw it in an air show for the first time sometime after that in Rhode Island. It was years later. And by the way, it was still impressive then when you see your first stealth bomber, you're just like, wow, I could see how people mistake that for a alien grace coming to butt probe people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I actually saw one of those in the 1980s going over my house. It is. I really did. I, I, I thought it was a, a UFO at the time because they're, you know, they didn't exist the Black in triangle. the public. But yeah, I mean, I, I saw it has. It was one of the old style ones because they they have a newer style one that they do now. But the old style one, the back edge of the wings was had that jagged look to it, and yeah. that's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. And I saw it. It was completely silent, and it, it flew overhead. And I saw the whole outline of it, and uh, you know, I, I was shocked. Hmm. But uh, so that that's one UFO encounter I had when I, I was younger back in the 1980s. I saw this thing. And, yep. you know, I thought it was a UFO, but it was only years later that I recognized it for what it was. In the 1980s uh, in North Texas, I uh, saw the TR-3, uh, the, the big triangle one, uh, came right over me. And we regularly had visits from uh, the, what we, you would call black helicopters. But the amazing thing when you saw them uh, was that they were completely noiseless, which is very freaky to see something maybe 150, 200 feet above you, which, which makes no noise. It is Hmm. freaky but uh yeah i was going to uh, mention on the back of what crow said is uh, two more oxy oxymorons there are smart bombs and friendly fire <laughs> <laughs> <Where's that? laughs> well, you know now that i now that you brought that up Baldini, uh, my wife and i were out in the desert um in borrego springs on um, the other side the far side of the mountains the east side of the mountains in san diego and we brought my telescope out we were going to camp and um, we saw these lights and we kept looking. We couldn't hear them. And it turned out it was one of those helicopters and they were buzzing all over the desert and they were completely silent. You it's could weird. not. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, it just could not hear them. And, and we got close. Yeah, they came. They came pretty close. So. It's it's one of those things where when when you experience it, it's hard for you to process because you realize you are seeing it. But it. It just it's outside what you expect. And it's very, I think, you know, easy to understand how cognitive dissonance and especially combined, you know, with the limbic system, which is trying to immediately do pattern recognition. And when it when it doesn't work, uh, you, you try to make up excuses for it. You know, it's it's interesting to to see how that happens. And certainly, um, you know, it's, it's it's a fascinating thing that your your brain will literally change the incoming data to match your belief system. Which is again why the why belief is the enemy of knowing. It's the enemy of even perceiving. Well, I remember what was that old movie from the eighties? Is Blue Blue Thunder or something like that? Where they first showed uh, in Hollywood a, a vehicle like that with a whisper mode. I think they called it. Hmm. So we were all pre pre cued, but the speed at which they travel silently and how close to the ground they are, it's it's astounding. Um, but then again, I've used night vision in the military. And the night vision will give you... The night vision they have, you can see better at night than you can on a fully sunlit day by a long shot wow. because you don't get that kind of contrast. And by the way, if you add the heat sensing and stuff like to it, yeah. you, there's, there's nowhere to hide. Not only is there no way to hide, there's nowhere to hide where you've just been. <laughs> yeah, because it stays. Yeah. In yep. fact, there's a there's a technology that <clears throat> that I've seen 
that does a similar thing with uh, the electromagnetic radiation that your body puts out. Uh, and you can literally trace, if it's sensitive enough, they can literally trace within 30 minutes uh, the exact movement someone made in a room after they've already left. Uh, because they can trace the electromagnetic signature that where they were at in the room it kind of trails behind them. There's a decay, a, a half-life to it. It's fascinating. And to some degree, uh, they can even measure the emotional response of the person because your <laughs> electromagnetic, um, just what, what you change out will change. Yeah, because of your emotions, right? So because wow. we're... We're biomechanical, uh, chemical electric beings. And so uh, literally, and I saw the, the demonstration of it was somebody came in and they were surprised. Uh, and then they saw something else that made them sad. Uh, and then they left. And then 30 minutes later, they did the capture and process of it. And you could see all those things happen. They came in, they got surprised. Uh, they were made sad by a photograph. You could watch these things happen. I was going to say in real time, but literally 30 minutes later because of the half-life. And that was the extent of it, between 30 and 40 minutes depending on the conditions. Um, you could blow it away with a with like, like an EMP pulse, right? If you really blew it up hard um, and put a lot, lot of uh, the right spectra of electromagnetic, you'd have to know what you, you, know, you were doing, the countermeasures, basically. But, I mean, again, this was in the mid-1990s I saw this demonstration. So, uh, again, you can only imagine what is capable now. Uh, but they were, at the time, talking about how they could use it to solve crimes. If they were um, you know, there quickly enough on the scene, they could really quickly who did what right by their emotional signature and that sort of thing it's fascinating stuff well i can tell you one thing i learned in the military and that's gonna translate to today with all the drones if you ever have to hide from something in the sky you have an infinitely better chance of pulling it off in the daytime than you do at night yeah interesting thought all right so moving on the need to plan differently the world is in the throes of triple exponential technological revolutions and what would those be it bio and nano changes occurring at scales of months instead of decades and that's something we could easily demonstrate zeroth order potential effects upon defense offense equipment conops and threat so do you want to define those terms wayne that's all you buddy uh, well, basically, the only confusing one that you would see there is CONOPS. That would be Continental Operations. So that's talking about uh, uh, operations in the home, on the homeland, Continental United States. So that that's what that's talking about. And uh, back to my previous point about you can tell who the enemy really is. <clears throat> yep, yep. If they're concerned about what's going on here at home, that should tell you something about uh, what the use of the military is intended to be here coming yeah, up now entire document here again says they don't care about the who it's all about the what and then we come down here and the potential events uh effects upon whom conops <laughs> continental u.s operations uh combine that with uh, jade helm and again they hmm. never waste effort so uh, the fact that they put so much effort into that pay attention that's right. And they're talking about triple exponential growth in technologies. And they're, they're talking about the platforms IT, bio, and nano. And uh, this, this is the big triple threat. Uh, this is basically all the things necessary uh, to pull off the whole transhumanist kind of thing yep. agenda. Yeah. I'll point out once again that one of the – if you really want to better understand uh, how the um, alphabet agencies and the five eyes work, um, do a little study into stage magic. Really, it's, it's the art of misdirection, uh, and that is really what 
they took many of their cues for. One of the primary operations books for the CIA was written by uh, a stage musician, a longtime uh, stage magician. Why? Because much of Spycraft re- revolves around sleight of hand. You know, in personal passing of messages, that sort of thing, and how to observe without being observed. Uh, but the mechanics of the art of misdirection and close-in stage magic. But the premise overall is this sort of misdirection ploy. And you'll notice again uh, that when we have this triple threat here uh, of IT, bio, and nano, guess what? They're not really talking about too much in the news. You you hear about nano from time to time. Uh, bio is strictly limited at this point to vaccination technology, uh, but they're mm-hmm. big on the IT. So again. If these are the three threats and they're focused primarily on one end and not talking about something else, uh, you can bet uh, that that's what they don't want you to look at, right? So they, hey, look over here. It's the art of misdirection. And you'll see right. it over and over and over again with all of these, uh, you know, I hate to use the FF word, but I'll call it um, disingenuous designation distraction events. Um, but uh, these are the things that look at what's happening around those events. Those are designed to distract you from something else i mean they're effective on their own at creating this fear and trauma uh, but it's uh, again they never waste any effort and there's always several things happening uh, they they never you know wait there's never let a good uh, you know tear an opportunity you know and a good crisis go to waste is what i want to say there um and, and but they're going to use it and everyone is planned really well and again, I'll point out that if uh, if there are what we think of as mistakes, right, the the, the passport, the, the inflated tires, those aren't mistakes. Those, those are litmus tests, uh, much like this current situation is uh, to separate those who will bite from those who don't. So, right. so, that, so that's kind of one of the thresholds. That's one of the re- thresholds with technology, though, because the fails end up giving more information and more value than the things that don't fail. And part of the reason is, um, because all the data that they collect, they can analyze why the fail failed, and in some cases, they can predict the fail. And very rarely, with high technology, do you fail in the same way twice. Yep. Yep. And, and this is the cybernetic what, feedback loop. Yep. Yep. And another important takeaway people uh, should be able to walk away with from this is when you see IT listed in this, think in terms of AI. That's inclusive, inclusive of AI. And uh, these three things, IT, bio, nano, they're all intrinsically linked together. So they're all kind of uh, yes. growing at the same time and yes, uh, synergistically. Gonna put, you're going to put a bow on it and go, those are the three things you need for good um, transhumanism. Mm-hmm. IT, bio, and nano. That's, that's what you need. The three, I, three legs to your stool. I, I was reading this thing about AI where a guy was making the claim that um, with just – infinite data alone uh, ai can figure out when it will fail <laughs> it's got so much data it can use like the the you know the law of large numbers to say on thursday it's likely at three o'clock we're going to have an ai fail <laughs> um they're saying that that's a possible thing with enough data you can you can figure out almost anything I, I i mean you have to know the right data and how to make sense of it and that's really the kind of the the that's the, the the hurdle you got to jump is how to make sense of that data. Um, but that's what they've been doing for a long time is with that understanding, they just capture all of it. They just get all the data 
and then you know continue to work on breaking it down and looking for patterns to develop and finding ways to to look for those things and that's where um the the where you get ai building its own ai that we see with get with go right when they do that kind of thing and they say we don't know uh how it wrote those subroutines we we it created new strategies we've never seen and we don't know even how to reverse engineer it because it wrote its own coding language that we can't break we we don't even know how um and and they'll you know spout this as kind of a danger of it again i think this is a misdirection um but ultimately uh, yeah that that with enough data uh you you can figure out almost anything so you know what would be ironic about this if you analyze that claim uh it's almost like an artificial sky clock it's kind of the way that the sky clock used to be used when people understood it like this period of time there's a high possibility that things won't go well in some certain way and that's one of the things the sky clock was for but since this is our art all artificially driven if they started to get in the habit of letting the ai predict on what day and what time there would be a fail so that they don't do anything important in those times wouldn't it be ironic if they moved away from the sky clock and forgot and the sky clock was actually telling you that the whole system would go down possibly in a day hmm. i just think it would be irony uh, if the art if the artificial nature of this you know takes over in its entirety Think he, I think he just said something prescient there, Crow, and I think that's why they're watching it and why they want to keep us from watching it. And I think that's part of the reason, uh, again, that we lit the night sky, that we have um, pro probably part of the reason for uh, chemtrailing is to occlude it and to keep people n from looking up, right? Look down at your devices. Don't look up. And, um, you know, for sure there's nothing to astrology. Come on. That's just so good focus. <laughs> well, I, I Actually, think that... That whole point that Crow just made is very uh, relevant to the next page here when we look because this is – next page they're going to describe how they view what's going on in the world at that point and even today. Right. So this is how they're looking at it and they look at it from more of a technological end than a uh, natural like system type of, uh, of sure. perspective. So we'll, we'll see. We reality absolutely like crow's been uh squawk he crow's been flapping his wings about this for what two two plus years uh or more is that they're trying to create an artificial reality because that's the only thing they can control they cannot control nature really uh, they can subdue it but they can't control it uh so they got to create an artificial world and get our consent to to live in it yeah i realized it in 99 actually at my first okay. internet startup um, when they started data mining with what was called data cubes. I don't know what you call a zillion-sided object, but back then it was data cubes that were being patented, and it could tell you information that was astounding from information that didn't even seem to relate, and that's when I began to realize. Because if you compare to what was going on with processors, what is it, Boyle's Law, or I forget the law, that tells you how much quicker a processor will be every 18 months or whatever the hell it is, I've forgotten. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you when you compare it to these known things, then you begin to understand that that data cube was going to be out of date quick. And if you multiply that by a million, now you're into black magic. And then you could start to ask the question: At what point does a thing become so artificial that the sky clock really doesn't have any immediate impending immediacy on it because it's moving so quickly and becomes so artificial? In the grand scope, the sky clock will always trump it all. In other words, the servers come down on the day the servers come down. But in the short term, uh, can a thing become so artificial as to be independent of reality? All right. Let's move on to Spaceship Earth. The crew are plundering the ship's supplies, tinkering with the temperature and life support controls. 
still looking for the instruction manual, engaging in bloody skirmishes in every corner of the vessel, and increasing the size of the crew by 2 million per week. They put that in capitals because that really annoys them. We know that they don't like more of us. Yeah, and that's kind of telling uh, what's their concern. They're concerned about overpopulation. And once again, we kind of see the whole narrative. I mean, the population reduction narrative, the whole uh, artificial scarcity narrative, all these same things just being touted over and over again because it's imperative to this artificial system that they're building. It's how they're going to maintain control. That's how they could build an artificial system is by introducing these false concepts into that system. So saying, you know, the the size of the crew is increasing by two million per week uh, and that there's all these bloody skirmishes in every corner of the vessel. Uh, like the way they just described this here, it, it's all negative, right? It's It's all negative on the populace at large. So they're viewing humanity with this very negative viewpoint. And that's an important thing. And this ties back to whole, all the eugenics ideas and goes directly along the lines of the whole transhumanist philosophy. So you could see how they're creating these talking points to kind of set up this whole artificial system that they could control through the use of these technologies. And they, they're presenting it. This is the big threat. This is the enemy after next. Yeah. The, the population at large. Exactly. That's where they're going with this. And if you take um, Agent Smith's speech from The Matrix, the first one, uh, where he's given it to Morpheus uh, there before you know Neo comes up and gets him, and he, he says, you are the virus, right? Hmm. The, the humans, humans are the virus. If you listen to that pretty closely, you'll get a really good sense of how they view us. Uh, and, and I would say that uh, from those at near the top of the pyramid, whenever you think of it, about that guys i think it's a good idea to remember that the the eye on the pyramid is separate so um, those who are pulling the strings are separate and uh i think their view of us is you know that they, they belong here more than us and they don't like us and they <laughs> they want to um you know do do us harm but they're not content to kill us they they want to feed off our fear and anguish uh and to subdue us Right. So, I mean, that, that's what I view. Again, I always, uh, you know, reserve the right to be completely wrong. But from from what I view uh, by kind of, you know, abductive reasoning, um, I, this is what I come to is that they, they don't like us. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, yeah. They, they don't like us too much, uh, but they do consider us a, a virus and, and they want to put our their foot on our neck. And uh, the, the, the real question becomes in 2000, how did you get the majority of people in a room to watch this slide display that we're going over and be okay with it? They're in is the real question. Um, are the people going along with it because they're afraid? Is there something else going on? Um, therein lies the biggest mystery of all. Did they boring. know something was coming? I think I. I mean, from my perspective, I would just say that, that when you read it, when you look at this document, uh, for those who might not have been in the know, it does keep it sort of nebulous and uh, obtuse enough uh, that that I think that those who watched it would be again, if you got them compartmentalized and they're they believe that they're doing it for God and country or whatever, when they're then presented uh, with, hey, that guy over there is the problem. Uh, they they don't think about it too much, and this is exactly the the same reason. Crow, as you know, they put you through boot camp. Uh, this is the the same reason that yeah, they. I, I would point out a thing that's not enough um, for a hundred percent or anywhere near close enough. As far as I can tell, 
Um, I know how Rome fell now, and I can demonstrate how the Vatican was set up. If I had to venture a guess that seems the most likely to me, they've done it through bloodline. And this is why you see two Vulcan encoded in a Fleetwood Mac album. They're all touting where they came from. But I would have to venture the guess that at the highest decision-making levels, uh, you're looking at a bloodline. And there's the common thread that puts the force. So you can ask the question below that level where people are not the bloodline or they're adjacent to the bloodline, how do they keep all the ducks in a row? And I don't think they can. Uh, I think they use fear. I think they use other methods, maybe blackmail. Who knows? There's probably a whole oh, range, but that's got to be, yeah, it's got to be the chink in the armor. But according to uh, uh, a smart guy that I, that I know, uh, I'm with you all day long. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Humans have taken over and vastly shortened evolution. Evolution of the planet, global warming, pollution, deforestation, huge public work. For example, the Three Gorges Dam, of the human species, genomic design and repair, mind children. That's interesting. Yeah, Moravec. I don't actually know what that means. Hopefully Wayne does. Products and life forms, cross-species molecular breeding, directed evolution, maxi-gen, etc. Wayne, I'm going to just toss that to you because I think you are going to know more than the rest of us about what these terms are. Okay, Mind Children. This was a book written by a gentleman named Moravec, and I think it was back in the 1980s, I want to say, he wrote this book. Uh, basically, this is a, a cyberneticist for the most part. This is who this guy is. He was big times in, into cybernetics and uh, transhumanism before transhumanism even became a popular thing. I mean, he's he's a forerunner of Kurzweil and stuff on a lot of these things, these ideas. So that's who Moravec was. Uh, Maxigenic, that it says down there about directed evolution and cross-species molecular breeding. This is actually a company I looked up. Uh, they're still in existence today. They have a lot of sub-companies that they own, and they're all about genetic engineering and uh, cloning and things of that nature. So, I mean, that's what this is talking about. Uh, the Mind Children book that Moravec wrote, uh, it's talking about, uh, if I remember correctly, I didn't read the book. I kind of got a synopsis of the overview of what the book is. It's talking about how mankind is going to evolve uh, by pretty much – merging with artificial intelligence so it's all transhumanism 101 and I, I mean this is an older book i think it was in the 1980s or the 1970s that he wrote on this stuff but uh that's what these guys are talking about in this 2001 nasa document at the department of defense like th this this is really kind of a, a telling thing this stuff's been planned for a long time and there it is in black and white in this well, document so long in fact that uh, i'll even pitch to you the words of jesus here uh, as it was in the days of noah <clears throat> and if you want to really look up that one uh then you can go all the way back to uh genesis chapter 8 <laughs> where they indeed crossbreeding and uh, uh making an abomination that they had uh, altered life on earth such as you know again that's what we're told was the source of of the deluge but um that's exactly the words of jesus when they asked him what are the signs you know of the end of the age and he said as it was in the days of noah and that's a big been a big clue so what again whether you go with that as a, a literal thing or whatever i'm just saying there's p clues everywhere uh, so, absolutely 
I'm on board with you 100% on that. I know exactly where you're going with that, that whole Genesis 6 experiment. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, yeah, it's very telling. I mean, this is kind of one of the archetypal ideas that they've used to plan this whole thing. So It's it's been going on for a long time, way way more than 2000. Way longer than what we've known. (laughs) You know, they've been talking about this for a long time long in fact one of the very first you know feature full-length movies uh you know uh features uh, an ai <laughs> right so uh, and it's still uh, considered a classic today so you know anyway just uh, pointing some of these things out that they're uh, that they keep these same themes recurring over and over and over again all right currently and again this was of mid-2001 Order of 70% of world's research conducted outside of the United States to first order a percent of GDP. U.S. produces order of 18% of the world's GDP. And order of 70% of U.S. research now commercial as opposed to government-sponsored. Meaning that uh, the military-industrial complex, where it was more military and government-oriented in the first half of the 20th century, you started seeing a switch over to being a lot of companies, a lot of them you would have heard of, like Boeing and, and those kinds of places, but probably a lot of places you might not have heard of. And we even have creepy little guys like uh, Elon Musk out there doing stuff now. So there's right, my, my quickie version a, on it. Right, and this is uh, where you see the changeover from, uh, whereas up until you know very recently, within the past 30, 40 years, much of the funding and... And uh, the research was actually overseen by the military agencies or the, uh, the the government agencies. Now they've subcontract that out to private corporations. And one of the main reasons they do this is because of something called FOIA or the Freedom of Information say, Act. Just going to say that because they can hide yeah. it. The same reason you see SpaceX. Right. right? Well, it also it's, makes it impossible to sue them, too, because you've exactly. got to be able to pierce the corporate veil. There's there's a couple good reasons that are bad. Yep, it yeah, reduces liability and risk and also uh, keeps everything secret. You you can't uh, pierce that corporate veil. So, uh, get it, it also legalizes monopoly, if you think about it, because anything that is private to a market where you can say, those are our trade secrets, what you're basically saying is, we invented this thing, we've got a monopoly on it, and we have every legal right to protect the monopoly. Absolutely, and that's what it's all about, and that's why uh, any of these technologies and stuff, they're they're not uh, obtainable through the Freedom of Information Act because it's proprietary information for a private corporation, right? Unobtainium, perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my, my favorite of the elements, unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> that's the redemption clause that they're looking for. That's the unobtainium. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, what Bill Gates wants for his uh, new vaccine, too, right, is uh, no liability. We'll see, man. Uh, The story of Noah wasn't written for no reason at all. The world has a way of cleaning itself off. You first, Mr. Gates. Uh, (laughs) All right, so uh, nanotechnology research. 29% in Europe, 28% in Japan, 27% in the United States, and 16% other. And that's probably changed greatly since yeah, they missed so. that. writing in 2001. Where, where's your China taking up three quarters of, <laughs> you know, when we, China's what was it, over, over a year 15%. ago? Yeah, we did AI over a year ago, and the first book's published on it, and one of them's like almost a thousand pages, 
every every insider said that China's AI was far beyond anything in the West, which I kind of take with a grain of salt because I'm guessing the secret guys have the best stuff. Point is, uh, how come China's not factoring into that? Nixon brought Coke in there, so they should have done a better job with China there. Well, do you remember we we did part of the research on that where they were kind of having pissing matches on who had the the biggest baddest supercomputer, and it was going kept going back and forth between stuff within China and stuff in the United States. Well, the other thing is is the admitted story for how they claim AI finally finally became super brilliant was they left checkers for chess, and then where did they go? They went to the Chinese game Go. Um, and on top of that, the argument they make holds water because the internet we use is open to the world mostly. So China scraped that internet. The internet that they have is not open to the world. And even if it was, most Western nations can't deal with the characters. So in essence, China was dealing with data from two internets, one of which was controlled, owned and operated and locked down. And they were freely letting the AI loose within their system. So it's not hard to imagine that maybe their systems were the best. Yeah, I think that if you, um, you it would be naive not to uh, at least uh, give us a good possibility that there are uh, some some very uh, very high level AIs that are constantly uh, all over the, the internet um, all the time, and, and there's uh, probably about two dozen uh, AIs that are uh, avatars of you. They're your sim. Uh, several, several from uh, the our departments uh, here in the U.S. and several from other countries and from think tanks. But uh, there are multiple uh, simulated versions of you, every man, woman, and child, and creature uh, on the planet that they use for simulation. Well, along with your social rating, waiting to be openly sold back to the United States. But what's ironic about all this is how long the planning went on because the abbreviation or the acronym for the Chinese leg of all the world's AI is three companies and the acronym is BAT, of course. Now relate that to the ridiculous virus nonsense. That'd be Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent. So they were BAT. And when you put them all together, it's G-Mafia if you include the nine from our side. Yeah. David Wolf is asking us, what do we think about Visa getting into cryptocurrency? Well, they're not the only ones because Facebook is doing it as well, and I dare say there are others uh, probably thinking Everybody's about it right behind them. It. Everyone's going to do it. That's the ultimate control. When when they get us all the crypto by hook or crook, and I'm sure it will be by crook, um, hmm. then freedom will be a thing of the past. You will not buy, sell, trade, anything without permission. Mm. Right, and then you tie that to Bill Gates's patent number 060606, where <laughs> wow. it's a, an implantable quantum dot die uh, that uh, has all your biometric information and everything tied right to this cryptocurrency, and there it Without is. Without which you yeah. can't buy or sell? Wait a minute, that sounds <clears throat> apocalyptic. You walked, you walked on the grass today, you can't take money out of the ATM. <laughs> we tracked you while you did it. yeah. Yeah, you weren't wearing your mask today. We know. We know. Hey, you know it's funny you that they're even in. talking about a credit card company getting into crypto. I mean, credit itself is almost it's like crypto. a crypto. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna yeah, say it it's, it's it's not real to begin with. They're making it every time you stroke your signature. I, I should have worded that better. But it's a common fiction because the fiction is agreed upon that they're all going to use the same fiction. <laughs> I was going to say when you said Visa going into cryptocurrency, have you seen my surprised face? 
Uh, <laughs> you see that little icon of me over there? That that's my surprise face. It just doesn't change. Wait, wait till we wait till we run the Alphonse episode. So we got a constitutional episode where we drop a few bombs tomorrow. But following that, we've got Alphonse back. And the further you consider um, jurisdiction, uh, there's a huge key. And I wonder if it will get used. I wonder if jurisdiction will be the opening to our Butlerian Jihad. Hmm. Interesting. All right. The Technological Ages of Mankind. Hunter-killer groups, which were around million BC to 10,000 BC. I mean, obviously, they weren't there and they were making rough assumptions here. Agriculture, 10,000 BC to 1800 AD. Industrial, 1800 to about 1950. IT, 1950 to about 2020. And then Bio-Nano, 2020 to with a big old question mark. And the last thing they have listed is virtual. So that's a very interesting thing that they're pointing out here because here we are in 2020. Are we indeed leaving leaving the uh, the technical age or the data age or whatever you want to call it for more of a bio... But what would you call that? Like a biological and nanotech system. Right. We're between two ages. And yeah. I believe that a gentleman named the big new Brzezinski wrote a book called Between Two Ages. Is this what he was talking about? Maybe. I think uh, a lot of what he hinted to in that book points to this whole technocracy bit. And uh, we're on the cusp of technocracy. Make no mistake about it. We're between this IT age and the bio nano age this is the tying of the biological system to the technology this is the transhuman jump point if we're Uh, on the cusp of of uh, technocracy wayne i would just argue that we're on the other side of it i mean they maybe not have told us yet (laughs) Uh, but from my perspective now we've been at a technocracy for 20 years yeah i mean i'm not going to disagree with you i mean if you just look it depends on what your definition Sure. Like how far do you take it? It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how far, what what you would consider the, the breaking point as a technocracy. The There's no point. doubt. I mean, the transhumanists make the same argument that we're already cyborgs, but we just lack the, the data speed in order to make it an efficient process. And, you know, because they say you have your phone on you all the time. It's just the input speeds and output speeds that are the problem that doesn't make us recognize that we're already cyborgs so uh, you know it, it's it's a transitionary phase that we're in right now and we're, we're moving forward into this bio nano age sure and then you can see the uh, next on the thing is the virtual right so again this goes back to underscore uh what uh, crow has been saying now you know again he, he says since 99 right so <laughs> we're talking 21 years uh that they're trying to transmute from a natural system to an artificial system and they clearly spell out here that's exactly what they have in mind well let's get into that with this next slide because this is where it starts getting interesting for me Key future technologies, all highly synergistic at the frontiers of the small in a feeding frenzy off of each other. So in IT, we have the breakdown of silicon, bio, optical, quantum, and nanocomputing. No end in sight. Another 10 to the 6th plus power, I assume they mean. That's over the top insane crazy. And I don't remember how many petaflops they run some of these supercomputers at, but you are talking about these kinds of numbers 
uh, in the year 2020. Next, we have virtual reality holographic, immersive ubiquitous communications, hyperspectral sensors, and a virtual presence. Next, we have automatic robotic everything and huge cost reductions. Well, I don't know about that. All right, second part of this is bio, lifespan doubling. Very interesting right there. Genetic engineering before birth and plants irrigated by seawater, food, petrochemical feedstock, minerals, and terraforming. And then the last part, nano. Carbon nanotubes, which are 600 times the strength to weight of steel. Assemblers and living factories. Again, huge cost reductions. I guess once you get the uh, manufacturing process in place, a lot of these things can be self-repairing, right? Right, and they self-assemble. And that's uh, basically what we're looking at. That, that nanotechnology exists right now, today. Uh, they have these self-assembling nano networks that, that could be built. And uh, I, I did a whole presentation on this at Shoot the Moon NYC. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could, you could see how these things are lining up with what they're predicting here. You're talking uh, quantum computing. This They were talking about, you know, even back then in the 1990s and stuff, they had no way of doing it or even knowing if it would work. But they have since then built quantum computers and nanocomputing, and they've overcome uh, Moore's law with the nanocomputing because they could actually uh, make these, these nano devices that... Uh, communicate with one another and therefore the data processing that they do could bypass the whole concept of Moore's law. It could just go ahead and, and piggyback and exponentially grow. And that's where you get something like that 10 to the six plus up there that it's talking about is through these, uh, nano computing devices. And, you know, I talk about that in my, my second book that I did uh, a little bit. So I, I, you could see how a lot of this stuff is, is going on today and how they, Called it back then, uh, lifespan doubling. That's the only one that we really don't see right now, do we? But mm -mm. you have to remember, they're talking about 2025. So what's to come in the next five years that they're going to roll out? We're already seeing the genetic engineering before birth, right? So, I mean, some of these things we already see right now. But uh, there's some other things that uh, haven't really come to fruition yet. And that lifespan doubling one? I don't know. I mean, that might not be in their best interest to roll that out right now. Well, again, so, that, well, it doesn't say who it's for. Yeah, it's going to say it may right, not be for true. everyone. Look, at, look <laughs> at all these guys that look like you know they look great for dead people, uh, but they're you know they're openly yeah. living into their you know nineties, hundreds. Um, that's more than than most, right? They get multiple. Yeah, but they they've they've already openly shown the power. I, I think they will roll out the idea that you could live three, four times as long because that becomes the ultimate control mechanism. Because then you're on the hook for the parts, um, and that's how society is controlled. And it also makes the the schism between the haves and the have-nots immense, because only the richest can afford to have the new parts, the upkeep, all the things that go with it. You know, the the, the contract, the the engineered failure, all these things. They've already made movies showing that people are getting new livers and hearts, and what happens? They get their heart repoed because they don't make the payment. <laughs> so I think that something like that will be openly shown. And it's just basically another form of eugenics because it's like a credit card. They'll loan money to everyone knowing that 80% of people will be on the hook. Well, when you start doing that with livers and kidneys, 
think about what the repossession means. Livers and kidneys, oh my. So we just got a question. Uh, thanks, Matthew Ross. Do you think they are building this tech from scratch, or is there something else going on? Ancient tech from another age, maybe. I don't think it's well, from scratch, no. personally. I, just, I think it's been building up over that. the past hundred years. Yeah, there, we didn't have this perversion in the earlier ages that we suspect were here. They were in step with nature. What's going on now is is divorce from nature. So I don't I don't think it's reused from a previous time. No, but I think it is handed off. Um, if you read uh, Frank Corso's Day After Roswell, mm -hmm. uh, he, he clearly lays some of that out. Now, again, wh whether you want to believe all of that or not, I, I do think that there's some of it um, that is. Well, I, again, I think there's always some truth in every lie, uh, but certainly when you look at some of the technologies, especially dealing with uh, the, the um, synthesis in using uh, transistors, uh, there's much of that that they can't even explain how it works now. We use it at a very high level, but we don't really understand how it works, and I think some of that could be uh, even true with, with electricity and magnetism uh, to a degree, uh, but much of the technology that they're working with, they don't understand it. Uh, so that's a to me a pretty high indication uh, that that uh, technology is being given to them and many of the stories from the early uh, supposed contacts with quote aliens uh, specifically dealt with uh, the exchange of technology and I think that uh, at least the idea is uh, compelling enough to probably have a there there for, for me yeah, I read the I, I, I read the Corso books and for me it's just insider baseball what they're trying to do is make you believe that little gray aliens gave them the stuff that they're trying to reverse engineer and then they'll go ahead and that. name yeah they're gonna name all the corporations that they seeded this alien tech to what's actually going on is they're covering the fact that we're a good hundred years behind in some cases of the tech that's available um, and then it shows the complicit nature of the corporations. Sure. Because when I when IBM or someone else is mentioned in a book by a guy who worked at the Pentagon, which, by the way, um, if you look at the story of that man, there's there's all kinds of issues. But the the main issue is they're making the claim that he wasn't that. What was he a major? Or I forget. He was low ranking compared to um, the people that were in charge of him. The idea being, well, we got to use this guy who won't stand out all this other nonsense. I, um, the the Corso thing is a total mind f. Well. Yeah. I'm with you all day long that it's it's you know classic controlled opposition, right? They're leaking yeah. stuff and they're right. setting up a um, you know in the same way I would describe it very much in the same way that in the moments right after the events of 9/11, uh, in those first few moments, I did what many other people did, which was the first thing I said was, "Hey, what did we do to piss off Osama bin Laden?" Uh, you know, <laughs> and then when they come, when they come out later and say, "Oh, Osama bin Laden," then I'm like, "Yeah, see, I'm smart. I put it together." No, because they've been leaving breadcrumbs for weeks and weeks prior to that, and so yes. uh, and this is. Right. So this is what they do. They give you enough breadcrumbs where you come to the conclusions on your own and then now it's yours. Right. And so now you're not going to believe another narrative because, no, I figured that out all on my own. So it has to be true uh, because they set you up for it. Right? It only took a few days after that to see that they were you know, clearly lying uh, when, when there's no uh, airplane in the Shanks field, there's no airplane at the Pentagon. You know, all these other problems occur. But in that first few moments afterwards, I got caught like everybody else uh, because I, I followed their breadcrumbs. And this is this is exactly the same thing that I think you're seeing with the Corso book. Is they're laying out breadcrumbs so that you fall and go, yeah, no, there's really little green men. This is where we got this stuff. And again, I'm not playing that narrative, but I am saying that there there is an admission there that they got technology. Uh, I would even say not of this world, right, or not of human origin. 
I, I'd go with that. I mean, I think there's a possibility. Again, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I would buy. disagree with you. Yeah, I can't. I, can't I would buy. disagree it, with you. There, there's there's obvious problems like uh, with the night vision thing. That's part of the Corso story. Um, there's logical problems with that. But then they wrap in what's that guy's name? Stanton Friedman somehow gets sure. wrapped into that story. I don't remember, but so his his whole existence is a lie. In the 1970s, so Friedman uh, brought that story back out. Well, yeah. he's responsible for the the aliens that probe your butt on the 33rd parallel line. No, that's that's um, um, he's... Whitley Strieber actually. <laughs> no, he ca- he came back and he kept reviving it and he's been one of the key progenitors of that whole story. But you see what he does is he's a nuclear engineer. Mm-hmm. So if anything Just we've right. done is correct, his existence is a fraud. I agree. Um, so that, so that again, becomes the problem. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying that, I mean, I, again, I, maybe I maybe I expressed it wrong because I don't think it's aliens like that. I just think that uh, there may be some other intelligence that's giving us stuff that um, you, you give, you know, uh, a gun to a kid, you know, they're going to create a problem with it. So um, it, that, that's my take on it. Again, man, speculation, man. That's all. I, that's how okay. I see this. This is this is actually something that I've researched pretty heavily, the whole Corso thing. Yep. Uh, when you look at it, it could be clearly demonstrated that the technologies that he's describing that he handed off to these companies actually comes from earlier technological developments by regular human beings. Yep. So Don't sell uh, the mean, people short, man. People are clever. Too, right, Wayne? Like Remember Nikola the- Tesla, T. Townsend Brown. Those guys were developing these type of technologies that he's talking about. Uh, and there's others, too. And there's other companies like Corning actually developed uh, one of the things that he was talking about. I forget which one. But Corning, it's got a clear delineated timeline of how this was actually developed just by clear human hands. So the whole alien narrative behind it, I think, is just, you know, the smokescreen for it. Well, but what you, you have to remember is the military uh, – branches were compartmentalized so Absolutely. the naval department was com- was re- researching different technologies that the army didn't was not privy to so he was getting handed off some of this stuff that was under development by the navy and uh in the air force and it's the same thing like the air force branch that came later but he worked for the army air intelligence or whatever it was uh so he was just getting some of this stuff second hand through the other uh, military departments that were researching it. So it could be demonstrated that all of these things that he uh, supposedly seeded to these companies was already existing technologies. Uh, I would say it certainly is false. And again, I didn't mean to, to sidetrack the conversation again. I, I just like that. Eh, let's say maybe a conversation for another time. I just think that many of the things that we see are, uh, well, many of the, the people who we say are in control are themselves being lied to and, you know. Oh, being, no doubt. No so, well, there's, there's some important things. Jason and I have yet to cover a number of things, and part of it is because there's a problem with how do we deliver it. But if you go, if anyone wants to go back and look at the work of James Shelby Downard, you can know beyond a shadow of doubt that there are states like Texas that were basically founded by the Masons. But that whole part of this country called the Southwest, every name, every street, every highway, has an occult, every mountain range has an occult onomology, the magic of names and toponymy. Um, and it's it's provable. Downer did this all the way back in the 80s. And so when you know these things and you move up to suppose, you know, off the 33rd parallel where the alien greys crashed, there's an easy rule of thumb for all of this. If you know enough, and I'm telling everyone right now, go study King Kill 33. If you study nothing else in your life and you want to know how to detect nonsense, go read King Kill 33 
by James Shelby Downer, and it's not easy to get the whole thing. And by the way, it's not easy to get one that hasn't been screwed with. Yeah. But the point I would make here is that you can't build an empire on a foundation of horse manure. And so when you know what Shelby was laying down, and this is just one of many ways, by the time you get to Roswell, you will see everything built from it. You don't even have to think about it. You can just dismiss it out of hand. And this is entire towns that I'm talking about, like truth or consequences. There's a freaking spaceport there, but you don't have to worry about it because it's built on the foundation of BS. So you don't have to waste time thinking about it. Um, so if you go back to these roots and look at the onomal, you know, the, the name magic, so people know what I'm talking about, and the toponymy, it's everywhere and everything to the point where I'll use the example to show you how long this has been going on. When Mithraism was about to go away, so we're talking about Saul Invictus worshiping the sun, all the key players in Roman hierarchy were doing it, and they're going to transfer it into the Vatican. The last pope, and yes, Mithraism had popes before they handed it to the Vatican, his last name was Pretextus. Mm -hmm. I'm not even kidding you. That's um, awesome. <laughs> so this, these are the things that, that let you see in a way that save you from having to kind of put it in a strainer. And, and figure out what's going to go through. Um, so I'm just you're saying. saying there's there's something esoteric about Rosewell? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to spend, if you want to spend a fun afternoon, uh, go through and see how not just to the Southwest, but see how many places in the United States specifically, or you can go anywhere, but in the United States because it's fairly large, uh, are named devils this or uh, right. so, something to that effect. It's uh, uncanny. How many? And then many times you'll get the story that this was from Native Americans, and they go, "No bullshit. We we well, never." That's, that's, that. I was going to just say exactly what you did. My wife and I were going to go to Chaco Canyon, and we did. Um, when we were leaving San Diego to come move to Rhode Island, when I was going to get my degree in Internet Technology, we had to go down Route Six 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 to get to Navajo Nine to do it. Well, they have since changed that name because it was too blatantly obvious yeah. as we got up into the information age. But you see, the Navajo nations and the Indian nations had no truck with any of this kind of occulted nonsense. They were in touch with nature. So they even imposed these, probably what those people would have considered spiritual areas, they imposed this kind of sick occulted mindset and by the way things like uh hamlet and what's the double bubble toil and trouble what's that one wayne that's Macbeth. oh Macbeth. Yeah, all Macbeth, all yeah. these storylines all of them will relate to that all the way up to jfk all the, and by the way jfk's name in gaelic means head wound there's your name magic again. And by the way, when Jason and I were doing our episode 77 to show that Mandalay Bay was nonsense, that too was drawn from Macbeth because the demon familiar that the three witches are utilizing, it's a toad named Paddock, is in the <laughs> desert in the first scene. Oh, and that's, that's what they did when they did the stupid Mandalay. Yep. So if you know these basic things, it saves a lot of struggle trying to figure out what's what i'm just saying anyhow that was that was a rant all right worldwide it revolution communications computing sensors and electronics united states commercial it r d is approximately 100 billion dollars a year Ooh. factor of 1 million further improvement in silicon molecular quantum bio and optical 
Beyond Human Artificial Intelligence. What, what, what? Automatics, <laughs> robotics in the large. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, this next one's great. Immersive multi-sensory VR or virtual reality slash holodex. Star Trek, anyone? Ubiquitous multi-physics hyperspectral sensors, land, sea, air, and space. And micro, nano, satellites, GNC, sensors, etc. Well, there you go. That's uh, well. I wonder if the uh, the commercial IT R and D is more than a hundred billion dollars twenty years later. You think? <laughs> you think that might be but, but one all, company? Oh, it's got to be up there. It's all monopoly money, though. All right, it doesn't really matter right. Um, right. in terms of that. The the economy is is a fraud, right? It just is what they say it is. It's monopoly money. So uh, that that's not really a a tell uh, so much as the the effort that they put into it and, and the uh, human resources if you want to call it that uh, the, the amount of effort that they put into it that's more telling even than the numbers because the numbers are they make them up <laughs> it doesn't matter all right yep, worldwide impacts of ongoing it revolution upon society Let's see if any of these have happened yeah i was just gonna say that so we're again we're talking 20 years ago here Telecommuting, teleshopping, teleentertainment, teletravel, teleeducation, hmm. telemedicine, telecommerce, Amazon, telepolitics, telesocialization. So we could probably Wait, break each one of these down and throw examples out that didn't exist in 2001 that exist now. Well, some of the things that didn't exist six weeks ago. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, they, they literally they shut down school. And there are people ding, telling ding 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 winner winner chicken dinner right chicken there. Dinner. Right? Schools they, out for uh, we got to rewrite ever, the song <laughs> forever, right? Yeah. Um, they, every one of these has been instantiated in the last six weeks, uh, like magic. <laughs> Telesocialization, <laughs> magic, uh, social distancing. Those again, there's another oxymoron for you, right? Those two words do not go together. They're in fact diametrically opposed from one another. Um, you cannot be social at a distance. And I have always said that uh, social media is actually anti-social media. It creates ex the opposite of connecting with people. Really, I mean. Sure, we get to know each other a little bit, and we can reach out. And in the truth community, that's uh, we're spread so far and thin. It's at times it seems that that's the only way we can know. But when you look at people's behavior toward one another, it's anything uh, but but social. Uh, people just have a very difficult time these days with the with the polarization uh, of you know every view that now people buy into. If they don't agree with me, they're my enemy. Uh, so, but yeah, everything on this list now tell a everything you can get your food delivered and it's no touch delivery right they'll just drop it at your door and run <laughs> your your Weak. groceries everything yeah get get your weed you know delivered like everything uh is now being done at a distance don't come near me right and and the part of the question in the uh chat is uh our face mask right is that part of uh uh, to to improve the uh, facial recognition, I would say well uh, potentially that, but also keep in mind again one, one more of those litmus tests: who's wearing it and who's not, right? So it's easy to find uh, using masks. Uh, use their uh, all those cameras they.
they have everywhere. Who's wearing it? Who's not? Part of your social credit score. You've got one. They just haven't told you yet. I mean, in China, they've told them, uh, and they're building it up. And I'm, I'm sure they'll do it here as well, that it's necessary, right? Because all this stuff is necessary. Uh, that's how they sell it. But anyway, everything on this list, Tella, uh, it's now in the last six weeks become the only way uh, to live really well, in our society today. well they definitely exist to some degree or another 20 years later from this document uh, but we just got a question i'd like to get to uh from steve thank you steve thoughts on gmo human beings patentable like gmo seeds claim of complete ownership well what do you think 20 what is all these stupid things 21 and me or i, I always forget their names but all these damn dna things that's about yeah, that's about the chromosome yeah, yeah you, think, you think they aren't taking steps towards that already? I think absolutely those kinds of things are coming. No, well, you can, you can see what they've done with it by who owns it. Go ahead. I was going to say, they, they, there's legal precedent for it already, uh, and Monsanto, Monsatan, uh, was one of the first ones because prior to that, uh, you weren't able to patent uh, any living thing. Uh, and so they successfully argued and got a patent uh, then on seeds by uh, using uh, Ebola uh, to uh, break the DNA strand and so they could insert things. And so uh, they, they use you know, basically sickness, disease uh, to create these things. So they were able to get a patent on a living thing. And then from that, I have seen numerous uh, documents of legal torts that now represent in some cases. And again, I have to vet this out completely. But when like 23andMe and those sort of things, uh, when they take your uh, DNA, they're going to claim ownership of it. And especially with the new um, triple insertion uh, vaccination that actually changes your genetics, uh, I believe that they are going to claim ownership because they're changing you. And so you didn't, didn't exist in the way you do now prior to it. So now they're going to claim ownership to some degree uh, over your personhood uh, because they changed you into what you are now. So by virtue of them having altered you at a fundamental level, they now own the new thing. Uh, and I think that that's one of the inherent dangers There's of it. This, this is going to come up when we run um, our Alphonse show, and this, again, will have to do with jurisdiction. Um, it's illegal to patent a living thing, and they were doing it all the way back in the 90s, I know firsthand, because they did it with bamboo. They simply realized that a bunch of bamboos had this certain disease that made the leaf stripe out, and so they in vitroed them, and when the, the bud was young enough in vitro, uh, they would remove the tip. And then that would be born without the disease. And they patented it, which was illegal, and no one challenged them. But here's the problem. It's a house of cards, and it's a house of cards built on a lie. Because as long as we have the ideas like our Constitution, which are based on common law, which are based on the idea of God's law or the highest law, these things can't exist. So to me, what they're doing is they're just building the Tower of Babel. That suckers, it's a house of cards. And the moment that any common sense comes back, that stuff just won't stand. It can't stand because it's it's just not defensible. And by the way, Ebola doesn't exist. So it's built on a lie on top of that. I have actually seen policy white papers discussing the ethics of doing such a thing, of being able to patent uh, a human genome and arguing both ways on it. So, I mean, there are multiple white papers out there talking about this very thing. That's the over. Uh, I, forget. So, I think they're going <laughs> to yeah. do it. I, I think Baldini's absolutely right. I think they're going to do it. But my point is, is that is just building a house of cards taller in a wind tunnel. Um, that's a thing that can't last for very long. Here's, here's my struggle with that is that, you, you know, 
somebody you know tried to beat me up the other day because I said you know you can't do those kinds of things and claim uh, that you're in keeping with the Constitution. They're like, well, buddy, it's already happened. I'm like, hello. <laughs> that, that, there's your <laughs> house of cards. Hello. Yeah, there, there's your house of cards. You know, we we live in a time now where artificial and fictitious are treated as if they exist. When things like the Constitution or when countries that used common law were around. The idea was that there still was living men and women and that corporations couldn't exist for a second because no one would buy into a fiction. Um, as people could go look up the first corporations, it was claimed they were going to protect minorities, um, and that's not what happened. The first year, when they started to try to get charters for corporation, they kept being told no because you got to show it benefits society in some way that it benefits living men and women. And they kept coming at it, kept getting turned down, and finally they said, well, we've got to protect minorities with corporations. That's how they wormed it in. The first year they got charters for corporations, there were more corporations as we recognize them today than minorities protected. So it just goes to show, you know, the, the house of cards starts on a lie. There's going to come a day. Hopefully it comes in my lifetime because I don't want to have a sucky end of my life, but it's not looking too good right now. But uh, but you said you know you said that the words there, uh, Crow, to me is again, you, how are they going to buy into it? And from what I from what I observe, they work really hard, uh, extraordinarily hard to a point where you know I think there's something to it that they need consent. Um, they they can bowl they can push us if they want to, uh, but I think there is something deeper, more than just um, you know the gun to the head uh, that requires to some degree. Uh, a choice that that they really want that consent, but they do it by lying, trickery, trickery, all this sort of stuff, uh, casting these spells, putting people under this big mass hypnosis. That's the part I'm studying. Uh, is this you know power of suggestion? But because uh, apparently they need for whatever reason, I, I've got universal law. Yeah, I, I universal got law. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, um, they uh, they they could do it. They could force it upon us, but it's there's it doesn't work for whatever. Again, you can speculate all day long about why, but they do want and apparently need uh, that buy-in. Now, again, will we be stupid enough to buy in? Well, obviously, a lot of people have because they're wearing the mask and they're pushing back on anybody who doesn't. They buy that modus tollens, but um, they but they need it, and that's where I think it, it, it does come down to choice. So if we want to go back to this argument of, of is there power of will, do you really have choice or not, uh, I'm going to argue – from what I observe, those who apparently have control, they seem to believe so because they work so hard to get it, harder than anything else. They want that consent, uh, and so that's what they're trying to get. Now, is it consent based on truth? Well, they never, they never tell the real, all the truth, right? That's, uh, so, yeah, but so, that's just it. That's just more house of cards, though. That goes back to the basic tenet of a contract or the basic tenet of in, common in, law, where agreement will be made. And the most basic way you can illustrate this is why can't children bind into a contract? Because it's deemed that they're not grown up enough to make adult decisions so even if you explain it to them so they get it a hundred percent they're not able to make that agreement due to their mental abilities not being grown and what that illustrates is the very principle behind a contract a meeting of the minds both parties have to fully understand what they're agreeing to as a matter of fact that will break a contract if it can be shown one party didn't understand which is why all this internet nonsense is BS. I've tried to read some of the YouTube contracts. They're a joke. You can't understand that. Some of, They used to be like 60 pages long yes. in legalese. So all that is built on a house of contracts. And so they, they trick you to get your consent 
trying to fake like they're getting around universal law. And the premise I use that I believe they're using is pulled straight from the Talmud, explained to me by a Jewish guy who was brought up very orthodox and understood the Talmud. The idea is there's this Jewish dude who's been drugged in, for, in front of the Jewish court for murder. And there's a Gentile that's been killed. And the court says, did you kill that Gentile? And he goes, no, man, I just tied him up. That guy starved to death. I'm not guilty. Yeah, right. So there, there, there is a similar logic actually codified apparently in the Talmud. I was told by someone who was raised that way to show the completely indefensible way that uh, to try to get around universal law or the karmic principle. Uh, it's a bunch of nonsense. What it is is people using their intellect to fake like they can outsmart nature or God. And they will tra and they will even tell you that you consented in much the same way that uh, the law enforcement people will, will get false confessions. They coerce a confession and go, uh, but you you said it. And I've, I've watched numerous videos of them doing it. And it, again, it makes me furious uh, how they do it. And they'll get somebody of lo low IQ or confused or kept them up for hours or under a lot of stress. And they say, well, if you did it, tell me how, how you would. And they, well, I, I guess I would. Oh, so you did that. OK, then uh, it's. It's infuriating, but what they do is they, they'll now tell you that, yes, you consented to that. See, by doing this, you consented, um, and uh, some people will fall for it. Again, they'll go, okay, I guess I did, uh, but uh, again, my encouragement is, is don't. When I get back to it, I go, the power of will, you have it. You have that power of choice, and and, and it may come down, uh, again, not to be all woo, but uh, it may come down to, to you know life or death in this material plane. Uh, for me, uh, it continues, so I, I still got to say no, right, if it comes to, to that. Um, my will is still my will, and uh, – uh, you know, from my view, it continues. So uh, I'm going to choose what I choose, the power of will I, I choose. And that's, you know, so when it comes down to all this stuff, uh, again, my encouragement is always getting back in contact with the universe. And, uh, you know, as Crow says, the, the, they're trying to make a natural world unnatural. Stick with the natural. We have a question. What do we believe shooting stars are since space is not what we are told? What could they be? That's one of those I ones I really don't know myself, but I'm uh, certainly willing to entertain notions from whomever wants to uh, suggest. All I can tell you is they're in our atmosphere. Um, that's all I can tell you. I don't know what they are, but I can also tell you, when I was younger and we saw things called shooting stars, they were almost headed from on high to down. In other words, falling. Um, recently, within the last 20 years, Probably when I really started to pay attention somewhere around 2010, we started noticing these things that look like what we would call a shooting star. They're in multiple pieces or they're a single that kind of flames and breaks up out its own tail, but they have pastel colors and they're leveled to the ground. Um, and then we started seeing a lot of things that would be described as a shooting star that are parallel with the ground. Clearly, that can't be a thing that's fallen. Yeah. Uh, Whatever they are, they're not coming from space. I'm not buying. I think Werner von Braun told us the truth on his headstone. Yep. One thing I can tell you for sure is that I don't know. Uh, and I can also tell you for sure it's not what they tell us it is. Those are the two things I can tell you for sure. I can speculate and hypothesize, but um, those are the only things I know for sure is that I don't know, and it's not what they say it is. Well, Next. that once again falls into the, into the category of inconsistencies that require answers. Right. Well, from I, my I, view, it's it's a moving light in the sky. <laughs> it's 
Yeah. I have to be comfortable with I don't know. And that's been a very difficult thing for, for me. Um, that's just not how I'm built, right? I, I got to know the answer. And with most things, I have, I have come to the place of just saying I have to be comfortable with I, I don't really know. I just don't know. There used to be an idea of a thing called sprites um, that I yep. started looking into with regard to these things. But what's interesting is when they started to do uh, thunder and lightning uh, research and they get above the cloud deck, there's these, and you can go look up the videos, and I suggest you do. It's interesting. When they're filming a thunderstorm from above the cloud, there's these little things called right. sprites. Mm-hmm. Um, and they Very did a bad. whole National Geo uh, article on it, which tells you it's a thing they want you to believe is false. Anytime National Geographic does a thing, they're, they're lying to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, But go, go look up the videos on lightning sprites. It's quite a thing. We have another question. Anyone have thoughts on what magma is or lava on a flat earth model? Magma. <laughs> well, in flat earth, it doesn't matter what the shape of the earth is. It seems to be uh, molten rock. I mean, uh, how, how that make came new, to be. Yeah, make a new earth. Yeah. I mean, where did it come from? Uh, underneath it? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, what, I, what I do know is it did not come from a, a, a you know, a chocolatey molten center, um, you know, <laughs> a, a molten iron core. How do you know that? Maybe it is a chocolatey molten center. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? How many licks peanut to butter get with to it? Gina Putt, mm. how many licks to get to it? Don't know, yeah. but we've only drilled about eight miles down. So, uh, and every uh, every go. prediction, that they, every prediction they had, uh, they made four predictions, and every single one of them were wrong. Well, yeah, it's pretty clear when you dig very deep, it gets hot quick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Down, down to Goblin Town. Ooh. All right. It status ten to the sixth power improvements in computing since the year 1959 10 to the eighth power further possible in the next 30 years 10 to the third power provides better than human capabilities guess where they're at about right now with their estimations 100 million telecommuters worldwide now expected to at least double in 15 years which did more than that over the last six weeks yeah yeah right <laughs> india but that's a, that's a that's not right, though. It's not. See, they're doing the same thing they always do. It's not better than human. It's not possible to do better no. than human. Well, there's no right. nuance. Yeah, right. They, they may be. It may be. It do some things faster. But there it is. Be, but better than human? No. I would argue that all day long. The only thing you know better than humans are dogs. <laughs> but no, uh, <laughs> a computer will be better than a human when it can make a fish or an oak tree from scratch. It's never going to do that. I just don't believe it's ever going to be sentient. And if they claim it is, and if it appears to be, it's not. It's not a computer. There's something else going on. But um, computers will. I don't think can ever be sent. It's not life. It's not life. Um, but but switches going really fast. Sure, I'll give you that. Fast computations, I'll give you that. But better than human? No. Sure. <laughs> You're not God. No. Yeah, flipper head babies don't count. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Crow. <laughs> You're awesome, man. All right, let's get through the rest of this. We're almost out of time here. India graduates three times more software engineers than the U.S., more software written in Bangalore than Southern California. Except it all breaks. 20 years (laughs) ago, is this before the the whole uh, everyone's IT uh, tech stuff was in India? I can't even remember anymore. Yeah. Can I talk to somebody who speaks English? 
do this for you. Oh right? my God, no! And I am really happy for this. My name is Bob. Bob. I W effectively constitutes a fourth weapon of math. Mass. Yeah, I can speak. Math weapon of math. Yeah, math destruction. Math. There you go. No, it's mass, mass destruction. So what is I W, Wayne? <laughs> Um, Internet I don't warfare. know. I lost my place. Internet yeah, probably in information warfare. That's yeah. what that stands for. Information warfare. It's a fourth weapon. I like it. Alex Jones screams about that. I'm cool with that. Yep. It's true. I mean, information is the key to pretty much everything, and that's that's where they're winning, is with the information warfare. Winning. So that's that's okay. where we're at. So check the next page. Um, some IT predictions. Let's, ta- let's, let's talk about this. IT. This is going to be good. Because it's yep. not a prediction when you wrote the script. <laughs> <laughs> Quantum computing initially available in five years. So that would have been 2006. Bing, 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 bing. 15% of all power today is used by computers. It will reach 60% by 2010. I don't wow. know the stats on that. What? So. But no, I'm, not, I'm not buying that oh. snack cake, yo. Oh. But this next one, wearable, implantable, on-person electronics, communications, computing, sensory augmentation, health monitoring, brain stimulation. Well, they have them all in one. It's called an iPhone. Well, it's not. That's not quite implantable, but they do have implantable. So again, it's not a prediction. Implanted in your hand. It's coming. Elon Musk is working on Neuralink. There's your implantable. It's right? coming. It's definitely right. coming. It does all of that. Isn't that guy actually just the smell of a deer? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> put, an, put an F in front <laughs> of it. A tree. Felon. Yeah. So felon Musk. And, and here's a page of poppycock for you. AI and beyond computing. And they always want to compare uh, the human body to a machine and the mind to a computer. And that is cocky pop. Hmm. Human brain characteristics capabilities. By the way, Crow, I'm pretty sure we did this a um, year, year and a half ago. Maybe, maybe longer, actually. But I remember us doing things about this. But anyway, human brain characteristics and capabilities. 100 billion neurons. 100 trillion connections. 200 calculations a second, slow speed of neural circuitry. 20 million billion calculations a second. Excellent at parallel computing pattern recognition. Poor at sequential thinking. And it operates via random tries. So that's the human brain. Machine capabilities. Currently, as of 2001, 10,000 billion calculations a second. 100 billion by 2004. By 2010, 20 million billion is available. By 2025, that would be available on a PC, home computer. By 2030, your home computer has collective computing power of a town full of human minds. Mm. Yeah. No. Computing power? I mean, what do you call it? But you know what? That's they, just, yeah, you, you can't, it doesn't work that way. This is what they do. They just said the things that the human mind is not good at. They basically don't deserve their human mind. If they're going to write that, because all you're talking about is processes. All to this to this point, we can only prove that basically computers run on some simile of an if statement: if this, then that, right? If you want to buy into quantum computing, which still remains to be proven in some meaningful way. By the way, look up a picture of a quantum computer on Google. There's your first clue that (laughs) we've been told is poppycock. Um, but but I would just make the point that there is 
an infinite distance between what the human mind can do and an if statement. <laughs> if this, then that. And even though you can do a trillion if statements in a second, it's still a far cry from what a human mind can do. Yeah, and, and this whole uh, computing power of a town full of human minds. Yeah, but you know what? They're they're not going to go to a dance. They're not going to listen to music. Uh, they're, they're not town gonna, full of idiots, yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, but but zombies, right? I mean, <laughs> the, the, what are they doing, right? So it's go ahead. Not, yeah, take your trillion processes and build me a Stradivarius, would you? Exactly, right? Build, uh, do do a barn raising. Go go get after it, right? Should, should uh, be able to build that in about thirty minutes. Yeah, but but not right. So um, I, I've been tracing going back and seeing how long ago and and really I, I can at least trace to again what we're told. And this is so hard with with history, the way they've broken it apart and made it all nonsense. But if you accept the timeline and I don't, uh, but at least to the to the time of um, uh, of Da Vinci. Uh, by you know all of his illustrations for anatomy and trying to compare that to a machine uh, and using uh, mechanics and comparing this and then it got more and more uh, they've been setting us up for this idea that we're but a machine uh, and I tell you for sure that you can go out into your shop and take apart your lawnmower to see how it works and put it back together and start it up uh, you can't take fluffy uh, out into your uh, garage and cut them apart to see how it works and put them back together and start them up Right. It's not it's not the same. Uh, and and we are not machines and we're uh, our brain is not a computer and computers are not our brains. Uh, and it's a logical uh, fallacy. Uh, it's a false equivalency. And don't buy it. They keep selling it. Don't don't buy it. Put away the checkbook because I ain't buying it. But that's all part of the hyper materialist uh, view that they're trying to push with this stuff, because that's a necessary thing in order to go ahead and create this artificial system they want so it's got to be all based on hyper materialism so that's why they go there and let's uh, move on to the next slide because this one is a really important one all right oh here we go yeah u.s human brain project begun in the early 1990s funded by 16 organizations across five five agencies the nih nsf DOD, NASA, and the DOE. AKA, otherwise known as Neuroinformatics, the intersection of neuroscience and informatics. Exploding Field, 10,000 individual presentations at annual meeting of Society for Neuroscience from molecular geneticists to cognitive psychologists. Determining detailed neuroanatomy of the human brain, a digital brain atlas, and use of IT to study brain, use of brain info to aid IT and AI. Well, I'm, I'm quite certain this is quite come along. This has quite come along in 20 years. Yes, and one important aspect of this that I think it's imperative for us to point out is, does anybody remember when Obama came out with his human brain project? It was back in, what, 2012, 2013? Yes, we did. Yes, on. I do. Sorry. Hope. This has been going on covertly for 20 years prior to that, mm -hmm. 20 years prior. So, you know, that whole operation was a front for this. Imagine how much more they know, how much of the human brain they already have digitally mapped uh, along with this. And, you know, it, it's kind of disturbing to know that this thing that didn't really get uh, exposed to the public until 
over 20 years later is actually going on way back in the early 1990s. Uh, you got to think about that. I mean, this this is point or case in point for how they do things and how the military industrial complex has these technologies that are 30 plus years ahead of what we see as the state of the art in the public. So this had a 20 year head start on the uh, quote unquote Obama brain human brain project that he did. So you can see this was going on for a long time covertly before that. So imagine, just imagine what they were doing with those monies, uh, you know, when they, they decided yeah. to put all that money towards it in the and Obama agenda. If it means anything to you, uh, you know, you can take that human brain project. There's a couple of anagrams that, that come to mind pretty quickly is uh, aberrant uh, chump join. Uh, you can get that one. Uh, you can get uh, Batman conjurer hip or pie if you like there uh and my favorite uh pre-chairman nut job you know you know what the problem with all those things is is when you begin to go at um i've worked in a lot of places and i looked around and most of the people and everywhere i've worked have been at least similar to me even the ones that were the furthest from me were at least similar to me and what you see there is this whole other thing going on because basically what they're talking about is genocide of a species um, and when you logically break down, there's really only two, two options. Well, there's three options. Someone took them over and they don't have control. Or they're so perverse, they've just become basically sociopathic and unstable to be allowed to think on their own anymore. Or something like this, that everyone knows every religion in the world has a version of enlightenment. And maybe it's possible people don't have that passport anymore since misery loves company the genocide of human beings is actually just diminishing the capacity of a human mind to reach enlightenment, to go up the staircase that's provided by the divine spark in each of us. And it has to be something like that. And to me, this is like the most baffling thing about all this. And I'm sad to say, I think it's basically just a bloodline of perverted people. I think that's the easiest answer. Crow, I just well, sent I you a question that's directed at you. If you can uh, take a moment when we're done here. I'm sorry. I just texted you a question in Skype that was directed towards you. Go ahead, Baldini. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Bishop. Uh, just, um, <laughs> it's just you know a, a big sigh. Um, but they, you know, again, if they wanted to kill us, they they could have easily done so physically, right? That so it does seem. I go back to this. It does seem like what they want is consent. So they just try to mentally kill us until we say yes uh, to whatever it is they want because they they could have easily wiped us out physically um you know they, they've got the tools and the and the ability to do it but but again what it seems like they want to try to do is destroy our will um and, and mock us while they do it uh, what's what's the story of cain and abel hey uh cain this is god here where's your brother who what the, what are you talking to me god i'm one of my my brother's keeper uh, guess what cain the blood screams out from the earth blood there's your there there's your yeah there's your your example of the universal law. No, no, they can't get away with bayonets and bullets. That's why they go the other way. And that's why they make all these indefensible loopholes. That's why we have that story. All right, let's get these last, let's get two more of these in before we sign off for the night. The Imagination Engine, also known as the Creativity Machine or the Creative Agent. 
current artificial intelligence best bet, not a rule-based expert system, and it generates new ideas and concepts via starving a trained neural net of meaningful inputs, forcing it to dream or cavitate, create new concepts, etc. An attendant neural net used to capture, record, evaluate, and report on these writings. Well, they've got much better stuff admittedly now where they can run models of scenarios in picoseconds. But the problem with that is it doesn't work logically from the outset because you can't have a system like we're talking about without rules. If you have a system that is not rule-based, then basically you're unleashing a thing that you can't control. Without the rules, there is no control. So on the face of it, that's nonsense. I don't know. See, I, I keep coming back to this idea. If they run those simulations, right? What it only works on is those who are programmed to respond the way that they want to. And I, I keep encouraging people, if you stay uh, in connection with your higher self and with nature, then you're not going to behave in the way that they expect. That's what screws up their algorithm. When, when you're in touch with your, your inner self and with nature and you're living in a natural way, then you break the control, right? That's, that's where the, the only way that they can really take control uh, it is, uh, again, by programming you uh, and getting the ones that are programmed to respond in the method that they want. And right now, it seems like they've got a pretty high uh, percentage of that. But if everything that we can do uh, to help people wake up and, and get out of that and get in, back in touch with themselves, um, that's where I think the biggest hope lies is uh, simply being who, who you are and, and uh, responding again from an inner place of, of love and uh, compassion. That's, that goes against their system. I know it sounds well, here's here's my whole point with all of this, okay? They're developing an artificial intelligence, right? And you know, they they're claiming it's going to be better than we are. Well, if they intend for it to be better than we are, then why are they modeling it after us? Right. That's the whole thing. I mean, the human being is the utmost apex of this place. Perfect. And I don't think any artificial intelligence system is going to match that. It's it's just not possible. Can a machine dream? Really? No. I don't think it can. But uh, they could <laughs> come Philip up with KG some of these really. Yeah. Do they dream yeah. of a sheep? I don't know. Yeah. It, that's the thing. They could make these neural networks and stuff like that. These neural nets, and uh, and do these things with them, but. Uh, it's not consciousness. It's not the same thing. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to completely quantify what consciousness is and equate it to a machine. And I just don't think it's possible. But of course, the hyper-materialist view says that it is possible because the hyper-materialist view says that consciousness is just the byproduct of the physical, electrical activity of your brain. Exactly. I have a spooky concept to to put out there, though, because... uh, We know what these people are into, at least the ones more toward the top of the pyramid. What if they're trying to make an adequate vessel for something that has a consciousness? They've been saying that for a long time. Yep. Yeah. I'm not saying what that something is because I don't know. That's not only only, um, just an idea. They've been telling us that they want to do that uh, in multiple ways, right? So so from – uh, from the moon child idea, which is a soulless child into which they can bring the consciousness of some other being uh, to a, you know, an AI. Uh, but again, that's inhabited by um, so, some other pre-existing intelligence. And that's kind of what I hinted to earlier, saying when they, if they tell you that there's an AI uh, that is sentient, it, that's not really what it is. 
Uh, it's simply a platform, uh, a host for for something else. Um, so that that seems like I mean that's what they're telling us. I'm not didn't pull, that's not a rectal extraction. I didn't just pull that straight out of my butt. Um, mm-hmm. You know that's what they that's what they told. That's what they're telling us that they want to do. You know again in subtle ways. They never are direct about it. It's always sleight of hand. It's, but. Yeah, it's a perversion though. They don't have a divine spark generator, and they never will. Apparently, never, there's a patent on that technology that's huh. not actually technology. Um, it's probably thought into existence or something. And until until someone can start to approach anything like that, you can't claim perfection. And by the, by everything that I have ever read, that the people who have documented coming the closest to perfection have been the furthest from being interested in any of the nonsense that goes on in this world. And I think that's a telling thing. Amen. Jalapeno. Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, let's get one last one in here, and then we'll call it a night, ladies and gentlemen. And I just lost my place here. In this uh, worldwide economy, our ability to 22. create... Hello? Hi. Right. Let me start over. In this worldwide economy, our ability to create wealth is not bounded by physical limits or resources, but by our ability to come up with new ideas. However, even universal wealth will not obviate the other causes of warfare, which include politics, face, religion, megalomania, and territorial disputes. And that's what we'll have well, to that, leave it, but uh, let's break that a, down a, a little bit. Yeah, it's a perversion on the face of it because we don't recognize what wealth actually is anymore. Right. Wealth would be a thing gleaned from nature, and since the banking systems have been here, we've all been convinced that wealth is this other thing, money or gold or whatever we want to call it. But even the use of that thing we call wealth is a perversion because then it's become materialistic. So truly the real wealth would be knowledge for the human mind to ascend the ladder, which is only available to a divinely sparked human mind. So this is the same game that gets played. You know, now when I watch television, like I just saw a Seinfeld the other day where someone sneezes on a salad and lo and behold, the person that I need to see got sick because of it. I've gone back now. I've been watching how far back I can see the idea that a bug was transferred in this way because I now understand why it's in all that media. It was queuing up for what we're living right now. That lie has been told for so long that you have to recognize that the medium that's telling the lie is complicit with what we're doing now. And by the way, all the stars of country Western music are coming together here in a week to uh, award all the heroes, what they're calling heroes now. So what does that tell you about all the, the people you worship? There's two options here. They're pigs because they're complicit and they know it, or they're simply slaves and they don't have enough balls to walk away from what's wrong. There's your two choices. Point is, is when you know what we know now and you watch your show from Golden Hollywood and someone sneezes on another getting them sick, you better recognize what's been done to us and how it was done. All right. Anyone have any final thoughts before we sign off here? Obviously, we were never going to get through this entire document, and there's plenty more if people want to continue exploring this. Uh, I don't think we even got maybe a third into it, I would guess. Not even quite. Not even. <laughs> but we did, we did end up on the master number 22, just to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. you know, I'll just I'll throw this out there. Um, you can join uh, 
Jason's uh, lovely Rose Triple Seven, and I, the great Baldini, uh, Tuesday and Thursday, so that begin to tomorrow morning, uh, 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, for the Poppycock Report, uh, where we tear apart Poppycock. And we try to do it kind of in a humorous way, so it's not depressing. It's a fun way to start your day. Uh, if you want to do it that way, grab a cup of coffee, sit down with us, and join us for the Poppycock Report. And we're even trying to get set up where we can take calls and and hear your stories of cocky pop. So there you go. And also, wait, uh, wait, wait a minute. I get royalties on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's right. We'll, we're, we've got pro, uh, and so we may have to change it to the cocky pop. Uh, no, no, we got you. I, I, I'm just kidding. I have no royal blood, so I can't claim the royalty. <laughs> That's beautiful. So again, Tuesday and Thursday morning at Rose Triple Seven's uh, channel and for the Poppycock Report with uh, Rose and I, and sometimes uh, guests. And then uh, I have a channel, Unintended Consequences, so you can find it right here at YouTube. Uh, and that's 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, noon Eastern, uh, for Unintended Consequences. So uh, join me for that. And again, we have all sorts of kooky stuff there and, and the Awakening Project. More information about that. Crow, you want to talk a little bit about what we're releasing tomorrow morning? Yeah, we're going to do a double whammy here for the next two episodes. Um, don't let the slow the slow nature of the speech and the accents throw you off tomorrow. Um, it's a little slow in its start, but it's the value that is in it if you go the distance, particularly into hour two where these guys, I actually call them out and they identify what they think the corporation behind the eye at the top of the pyramid is. And I've been looking it up. It's kind of astounding. Yeah. But we get into a lot to do with the Constitution. Um, but then we're going to follow it up with Alphonse again. If you guys recall, we did, I don't know, four, five, six, some, some number of law episodes back in the day. And what happened was one expert we had on came to fight with another expert or other people who followed one method came to fight with another method. And it became so apparent why we have all this trouble in society. Um, what we're doing is going back to the things we knew worked. And Alfonso has a number of things that provably have been pulled off. And he's not alone. Other people who we covered. But the jurisdictional ideas and how to conduct yourself in the face of what's gone on is... I'd be damn surprised if we don't see some governors getting hauled onto the carpet. Uh, well, I guess that's <laughs> providing we still have the federal court system right. that we think we have. Uh, if if our court system goes away, then I'm sorry to report there's only one option to throw off tyranny. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I played with guns when I was younger. I have no desire to do it again. Wayne, yeah, any I final think they're thoughts? ready. Uh, yeah, I just would just like to encourage people to actually look further into this document because there's several very important things we didn't even touch on that are in there. Things such as farm animals, P-H-A-R-M, um, and that's exactly what you think. It's uh, genetically modified animals for medicinal purposes. Yeah, uh, and uh, other such things as smart dust and micro dust weapon weaponry, which is a mechanical... I analog to biomicron-sized mechanized dust, which is distributed as an aerosol and inhaled into the lungs. And this dust mechanically bores into lung tissue and executes various pathological missions. And it is a wholly new class of weaponry, which is perfectly legal. So uh, it, this document talks about that as well. So that's also kind of relevant to the times that we're in. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different aspects of different... Uh, technological things going on right now and another this document talks about so 
another oxymoron there for you is that anything that calls itself smart it isn't. You're not smart if you use it. So a smart fridge or a smart TV, no. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, uh, but uh, Wayne, Wayne is absolutely right. Uh, as in all things, guys, do, do your own research, and this is a great opportunity for you to look at it yourself. We just barely opened, uh, opened the crack here. Uh, so to speak, uh, stick, uh, yeah. So get into it yourself. Um, I know Jason dropped um, dropped it in the chat. You did put it in the show notes, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so it's a great opportunity to spend a couple hours re- researching this. And um, you know, if you guys find anything that's really wacky or crazy, or do a cross reference research uh, as we did by by, for example, um, the, looking at Bushnell. Uh, I spent a couple hours just looking at that guy, and uh, I mean, it, it makes it eminently clear. Uh, what his goals and who he serves are just by kind of looking at a little bit of his background. And that's just what's frankly openly acknowledged, right? So anything that you guys can find, tear into it, man. This is um, uh, something that we can all all do together, um, you know, r- rather than just a, a couple of us, you know, here talking to you is uh, do some research and get together and, and uh, you know, use each other's brains. We're, we're way better uh, than their dumb AI. All right, that's going to do it for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. I think we had over 600 folks here tonight, plus over 100 and something on DLive. I appreciate it. That's really great to see everyone here. I hope this was informative and you learned something and we pointed you in a direction to keep your education going. Thanks so much. And Crow and I, of course, will be live on Sunday at 6 p.m. Central, or excuse me, 6 p.m. Eastern for uh, the Crow Triple Seven live stream. That'll do it. Take care, everyone.